When the Seahawks and the Rams tangled in week one, Pete Carroll's team was missing some big names, particularly on the defensive side of the football. How much healthier will they be in the rematch at SoFi Stadium? We'll be breaking down the latest injury report and much more on a jam-packed Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings 12. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Glad to be joined here on Blue Friday by my co-host Nick Lee and a special thanks to all the 12s out there, whether you're listening in Richland, Washington or Braga, Portugal. We greatly appreciate each and every one of our listeners that makes Locked On Seahawks their first lesson five days a week. We're only a couple days away from the rematch. Seahawks-Rams at SoFi Stadium. We'll be devising a game plan for victory on offense and defense. We've got our picks to click, game predictions, and much more. Courtesy of our friends at Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL and use the code all lowercase LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Now for your lead story here on our Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. When the Seahawks and the Rams duked it out in week one at Lumen Field, there were some big names missing for both teams. The Rams didn't have Cooper Cup who started the season on injured reserve, and the Seahawks were without top five pick Devin Witherspoon, as well as Jamal Adams. And oh, by the way, early in the second half, lose both their tackles on the offensive line with significant injuries as well. Going into the rematch on Sunday, while it remains to be seen whether Abraham Lucas is going to have a chance to be back after returning to practice this week, the Seahawks are going to be much healthier than they were that first matchup. They will have Devin Witherspoon. They will have Jamal Adams. Tyler Lockett's been out the last couple of days, but he's been nursing a hamstring injury. He's going to be good to go. The Seahawks should be much healthier. On the other side, Cooper Cup is going to be teaming up with Puka Nakua, so the Seahawks going to have to deal with those two guys as well as a healthy Matthew Stafford. Both teams full strength. Bring it on in the NFC West. Yeah, you're hearing though. Well, we didn't even have Cooper Cup last time. Well, the Seahawks didn't have Devin Witherspoon, so that's going to be quite a matchup. I know you, you and Rob uh, talked about that uh, on yesterday's show, but um, yeah. So Tyler Lockett missed a second consecutive practice with that hamstring issue, but hasn't really missed any games. I'm I'm putting him under the I'm not worried about him category. He's got that veteran. You know, he, he doesn't need every single rep and every single practice kind of status now. So. Tyler Lockett, I'm not super worried about quite yet. Derek Young, I mean, I don't know. He's played two offensive snaps this year, and really unfortunate that he he can't find a way to, to stay healthy. Um, he's he's missing practice as well, and um, I'd say the the ones I'm I'm kind of mildly concerned about maybe maybe Colby Parkinson. I know Jamal Adams was more of a rest. Um, Colby Parkinson has that biceps issue, and and Corbin, I know we were talking off air before the show, and um, we both expressed our uh, pessimism with Abe Lucas being able to play. I, I just don't think that it's going to happen this week. Um, and maybe, maybe the, in, in the coming weeks, especially as the Seahawks face just a gauntlet of a schedule. I was doing the playoff, you know, the playoff machine that I'm completely addicted to, like a drug addict. Like with, <laughs> And uh, I was thinking like, after this game, like, okay, yeah, they'll beat the Rams. And oh my, they have this game, this game, this game, and this game. So this is a, this is a game they got to have. So it's really great that, that they're getting healthy. And, and another kind of a, attention as well as on the offensive line. So not just Abe Lucas, 
Um, then you got Anthony Bradford and Damian Lewis uh, being full participants. And um, that's that's great because uh, Anthony Bradford hasn't played since the, the Browns game where he had a sparkling 90 bl- run blocking grade. And he's also yet to allow a sack. So I think Anthony Bradford's kind of turning into a low key, uh, really solid option at guard. Of course, you have Phil Haynes, who I think is your better pass pro at, at that guard spot right now. But really, I mean, and having Damian Lewis healthy, I think this is one of those games, especially when you face a, a dude named Aaron Donald, that the more healthy you are along the offensive line, the better. Yeah, I could see the Seahawks rotating Haynes and Bradford at that right guard spot in this game because they are a little different players. And I think that Bradford's ability to create push off the line of scrimmage in the run game will be useful on the road. At the same time, as you mentioned, Phil Haynes has been really good in pass pro. I thought he looked excellent last week. So you want to get him in there as well. He's been your starter all season. He's had his own injury issues. But rotating those two guys makes sense. As for Abraham Lucas, you know, you can do some reading between the tea leaves. This was a comment that Pete Carroll made Wednesday when Lucas returned to practice. He said he can't rehab anymore to get ready. He's ready to go. We've been very careful to do that properly and take our time, but we need to see how the rigors of the practice figures into it all and see how he bounces back. It's been kind of a chronic thing. You have to make sure you've left it in the past. We'll see what happens. Look, I want to be optimistic about this situation, but any time that I see the word chronic, and Pete Carroll has thrown a number of different synonyms for that word out there, When this started after that injury in week one, he said it wasn't an injury. It was just a sore knee, and then it was a sore patellar tendon issue, but it's never been an injury. He had an injection, and now we're hearing chronic. I want to see how this plays out because I'm hoping, because Abraham Lucas is a great player. He's a really good tackle, one of the better young tackles in the league. I'm hoping that this is a situation where – since he's been out for two months, now that that knee has calmed down enough that he's going to be able to get through, it sounded to me, and this might just be my interpretation of what Pete Carroll said there, but it sounded to me like they're going into this process expecting that he's not going to be 100%, and it's going to boil down to how much can he handle playing through discomfort. That is the way that I interpreted this, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Lucas is further along than that, but the fact that they asked him whether he was fully recovered and all Carroll could say was no – that did not, you know, adding the word chronic as well, that's worrisome to me. This this is not an injury that I'm necessarily sitting thinking, oh, you know, two months off, everything's good. All it would take is that knee just flaring up again. And he couldn't get through the game in week one against the Rams. So I do not think he's playing this week. I don't think the Seahawks are going to be foolish like that. I think they're hoping next week when they play that Thanksgiving game against the 49ers at home that they can have him back in the lineup. But I don't think they are going to be trying with that short week coming up. I do not think they're going to try to force the issue. And I do think that this knee is something that we're going to be watching closely here for potentially the long haul because I I just can't stand seeing that word chronic. That, to me, is a little bit worrisome. And it should be that that is definitely a worrisome word. I mean, you, you never want to hear that in your own life with your own health issues. You don't want to hear that, you know, when you're with your favorite football team and their players and um, you're hoping maybe he can get through it this year. And maybe they have some sort of procedure in the offseason um, to clean it up. And, you know, I'm no doctor, um, but, you know, you got just it, it's kind of wacky to say, but hey, at least we have Jason Peters. You know, that's that's just such a weird thing to say. But they're going to have to make a move now because he cannot right. be elevated anymore for the practice squad. He has to be on the 53-man roster. So if they're going to go that route, they're going to have to make a roster move to get him onto the 53. 
Right. So yeah, that, that's that's kind of one of those pending, you know, next 24 hours kind of thing, to, what, what goes on there. And I really hope they can find a nice way to get him on the roster. I really enjoyed watching and re-watching his, his performance against Washington last week. And then, of course, you got Stone Forth, Forsyth, you got Jake Curran, and you got you got some options there. But I, I think maybe, maybe Jason, Jason Peters is a good relief pitcher at right tackle. I, I don't know if he's quite built enough for like every game, every snap anymore. Um, but I really hope that they can find a way to get him on the roster because that that combo at right tackle could work. But yeah, I I I, I kind of I echo those those sentiments about Abe Lucas. Um, I really hope that they that they can find a way to get him on the field and be effective. I think there's that they're really trying to to avoid the getting him on the field too early and him being ineffective and not healthy. That is the worst case scenario where you just then end up doing more damage. So I think really that's what they're trying to avoid and they have a situation right now where it's not, you know, the most glaring absolute weakness of the entire team at this point. So they have a little bit of a luxury to, to kind of get Abe Lucas up to speed at at their, at their leisure. Yeah. And Carol made sure to point that out. They have plenty of confidence in Jason Peters and stone Forsyth If they have to lean on those guys in a rotation as they've done recently for a couple more games. I mean, they do have a 21 day window with Abraham Lucas. So they don't have to rush to a decision on this, but Again, it sounds to me like this is a wait-and-see proposition. We have to get him on the field and see how this knee handles practicing multiple days in a row. Is there a setback? Is he able to fight through discomfort? Because, again, that's what it sounded to me like. Pete Carroll was saying, like, he's not fully recovered, but we're going to see if we can get him through this and he can contribute. So that's not what you want to hear. You don't want to hear the word chronic. We're hoping for the best. And maybe this is a situation where just having a couple months off, he's going to be able to get back into the swing of things and he'll be good to go. But I do think this is worth monitoring because of the nature of this injury, or if you're like Pete Carroll, this non-injury, you certainly are going to want to watch this closely. Up next, going into this game on Sunday with Lucas or without him, the Seahawks are going to have to try to get revenge after that week one loss to the Rams. We are going to be breaking down a game plan for a Seahawks victory on offense and defense. Don't go away. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. This episode of Locked on Seahawks is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. Prize Picks is really simple to play. I can make my picks and submit an entry in less than 60 seconds. And since basketball season is here, you can now pick Combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, I can do Steph Curry and DK Metcalf at 10.5 three-pointers plus reception alongside Pick's favorite players like rapper Meek Mill. Just check out the community plays under the promo tab to view entries for some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. Prize Picks is an absolute blast each week, and it's an easy way to enjoy daily fantasy without any hassle and land quick winnings. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked in NFL and use the code locked in NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash locked in NFL and use the code locked in NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, on our Blue Friday show by my co-host, Nick Lee. And a special thanks to all the 12s, as always, for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. 
Don't forget to check out Locked On now has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, Nick, we've got this big rematch coming up at SoFi Stadium. I like to call it the bowl because it literally is dug into the ground, but really one of the cooler stadiums in the NFL, one of the newer ones, a lot of money put into that stadium. But the Seahawks are looking to get another win. They beat the Se- or beat the Rams last year at SoFi Stadium. They actually won both their games at SoFi last year, also beat the Chargers on the road. Looking towards this matchup on Sunday from an offensive perspective, what do you think is the first thing the Seahawks absolutely have to check off to be able to get some revenge for that week one defeat and get a seventh victory? One of my favorite things I look at um, when I'm just kind of going through the numbers and, you know, what what weaknesses and strengths each team has that the Seahawks are going to play. I look at the records uh, of the team of, of their opponents when this or that happens or when the Seahawks get something. And I noticed something. The Seahawks are 5-0. and when they reach 100 rushing yards as a team, 5-0 and this season and 1-3 and when they're held below 100 rushing yards. So that's going to be a pretty obvious number one for me. Get to at least 100 rushing yards. The Rams are also 0-3 when they get to when they allow 140 plus. And I think if the Seahawks can somehow get to that number, we're talking about the Seahawks, I think, being in control of this game. If they can get to the 140 150 mark. So um, the Rams have been ran on before. They, they allowed 184 rushing yards in their last game against the, the Packers before the bye. Um, and also, I keep pointing this out. I know it's kind of a, maybe a silly, trivial thing, but the Seahawks are 4-0 when they give Zach Charbonnet at least five carries. So that's also kind of symptomatic of a run game that's in rhythm. You get your backup running back kind of involved with Ken Walker, of course, being the spearhead. So get Get some sort of you know combination of Ken Walker, Charbonnet, and who else, whoever else, up to at least hundred yards. And at this point in the season, the Seahawks are undefeated when they get to that number. Yeah, and I always love to point that out as a game plan priority against Aaron Donald because it's a way to slow him down. And not that Aaron Donald's a bad run defender because he's certainly not, but. I'd rather take my chances with him that way than let him pin his ears back 42 times and come after Geno Smith. And so I do think that the run game is going to be incredibly important for the Seahawks. I also think when you look at this game, the Rams actually are one of the best defenses in the NFL at limiting yards after the catch. But if you look deeper into the numbers, this team is in the top five in missed tackles. And I look at what happened last weekend in that game for the Seahawks against the Commanders, where they were able to rack up 258 yards after the catch. Part of the reason they were able to do that is that the Commanders were missing tackles left and right. That ship was going off the kilter, and they were not able to get these guys to the ground. And the Rams have had more issues than the Commanders missing tackles this season. So to me, this is another game, and I don't think they're going to get 258 yards after the catch again, but this is a game where Shane Waldron's got to find ways to get the football to his playmakers in situations where they are one-on-one with linebackers, receivers on linebackers, crossers, things of that nature, and force those guys to get you to the ground. Running backs in space, tight ends. This is a defense that's had a lot of problems with tight ends all year long, tied for second worst in touchdowns given up. 
So take advantage of the weaknesses that this defense has. It didn't feel like they did that in week one. There wasn't much emphasis using the tight ends, not many opportunities to create after the catch, but I think that's critical in this game. And the, the stats are a little bit misleading from the film that I've watched. This is a team that absolutely can give up big yardage after the catch if you get the right matchups against their linebackers and their secondary players. So that is on Shane Walzer. And of course, the skilled players being able to make those missed tackles happen. But I think that that's going to be a big part of this game plan, being able to get the ball in your playmaker's hands, let them go to work, make the Rams tackle you. They haven't been able to do that, especially as of late. You get a bunch of missed tackles, yards after the catch. This game could get ugly for the Los Angeles Rams at home. Yeah, I was, I was enjoying your uh, your film breakdown of the previous game and that, that crossing route to Jackson Smith and Jigba that got for a big game. I wanted to be like, Shane, Shane, Shane Waldron, you see that, 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 see, that, that, that works, <laughs> you know, that, that was a great you know sign. And then, yeah, the yak, the, the next gen stats coming out with that was the second most yak in any game by any offense this year. I'm not, yeah, it'd be kind of unfair to expect that again, but certainly you'd like a, you know, above average yak game for the Seahawks. And um, in the tight ends, you know, where, where are they? You know, Fant has six catches in his last five games. Will Disley has three targets in his last four games. So that the tight ends have been know, something of a non-factor um, for the most part in the last month or so. So you'd like to see that, you know, uh, materialized. And then going to the third point, I think that kind of goes into that with the tight end usage and getting first downs. And I'm going to use the use the you know benchmark of 20 first downs. Um, using the tight ends in the passing game is certainly a great way to utilize that. Um, the Seahawks are 30th on third down offense, and the and the Rams are 21st in third down defense. So. Um, neither one is lighting, lighting it up on either side on third downs, but to try to get first downs, um, it really it's it, it the 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 Seahawks really got to find a way to move the chains. And you know the the Rams are actually 0 and 4 when they allow more than 20 first downs this year, and the Seahawks are 3 and 1 when they get to 20. So I think that's and that's just a another you know symptom of an offense that's in rhythm. You know, much like the running game, be getting 100 yards is. If you're getting an offense in rhythm, sustained drives, more trips to the red zone, you're naturally going to get more first downs. That's just a symptom of that. So I think that's a good number to shoot for is 20 first downs. The Seahawks have got it four times this year to, to good results. Let's shift over to the defense now. And the first time these teams played, Seattle's defense played really well the first two quarters. And then in the second half, they could not do anything. Matthew Stafford just diced them up. And I think you and I would agree going to this rematch that nothing is more important than finding a way to make Matthew Stafford uncomfortable. Because if he's able to sit in a recliner in the pocket, he is going to pick you apart, especially with Cooper Cup now being healthy, along with Puka Nakua, Tutu Atwell, Tyler Higby. He's got plenty of weapons. The Seahawks had two quarterback hits that entire game. No sacks. They need to get after Matthew Stafford, whether that means they have to mix in more blitzes, whatever they need to do. But this needs to be a game where Boye Mafe, Draymond Jones and company, Leonard Williams, you've got to get after Matthew Stafford early and often. And for me, I think three sacks right now, it might be the most make it or break it statistic going into this game. They need to get after him and get him to the ground multiple times to give their defense a chance against an offense that does have a lot of weapons. Yeah, talk about differences between these two teams the last time they met. I mean, the Seahawks obviously didn't have Devin Witherspoon and Jamal Adams. They also didn't have Leonard Williams. <laughs> That's kind of a big addition, um, you know, not an injury one, but certainly a, a big one. And I, I looked at the numbers, and the Rams are 0-2 this year when allowing three or more sacks. 
And the Seahawks are five and one this year when getting it to at least three sacks. So again, much like the hundred yard rushing, you know, offensive stats, I think getting to three sacks on defense is another, um, you know, indicative of, of success for the Seahawks. And yes, the, the Rams can be had their 27th and pass block win rate. Seahawks are ninth and pass rush win rate. And yeah, boy, Mafe, let's keep it going. His last game without a sack this year was against the Rams. So let's get the revenge and kind of complete the circle and, and continue that record. And, you know, it's revenge time for Boye Mafe. Now I just am humming. It's the circle of life in my head. Thank you so much for making that Pop happen, poker. Nick. At your service. <laughs> as far as the next key for me for the Seahawks on defense, it's got to be limiting the explosives. And that was one of the big problems, even without Cooper Cup in that first game. The Seahawks allowed a boatload of receptions of at least 16 yards. In fact, I believe I counted seven of them in that game that they gave up. You cannot let Matthew Stafford, Mr. Aggressive himself, you can't let him have the time in the pocket that he can make those throws downfield, especially now with Cooper Cup. Those deep crossers have given the Seahawks fits over the years. Sean McVay loves to dial those up, and they will take their shots down the seam. So this is a huge component for the Seahawks winning this game you cannot those guys are going to make their catches but you cannot let them get a bunch of 16 20 plus yard receptions and just put together seven or eight of those as a group collectively you just can't do that you've got to find a way to limit those downfield plays and when they catch the football get them to the ground limit the yak because those can also be explosives the Rams have had a lot of success against the Seahawks with over the years yeah, boy, watching uh, Puka Nakua light up the Seahawks in that first game, it was, I felt like the Larry David gif, like, yeah, like a BYU fan, and watching him light up the Seahawks was a little, had weird feelings going on. But um, this one, it, you know, I'm, I'm hoping the Seahawks can come out on top. Uh, Nakua is seventh among wide receivers this year in Yak. The Seahawks are 23rd in Yak allowed. Um, again, like kind of like you were alluding to, is, is completions aren't going to kill you. You know, Matthew Stafford is a fine quarterback. He's going to get his completions. It's the yak. That dirty beast will get you. So don't let the yak beat you here. And then also the going to the, the third and final one, third downs. Hold them to under 40% on third down conversion rate. And really that's easier said than done, of course, as the Seahawks are third, are 31st, second to last in third down defense. The Rams are actually top 10 in third down offense. So that is uh, you know an, an area uh, kind of a, a soft spot in the armor for the Seahawks that the Rams are going to probably try to exploit. And the, the Rams are one in five, you know, talking about number of first downs, the Rams are one in five when getting less than for, uh, 20 first downs. And they got 27 first downs in that first matchup with the Seahawks. So again, getting off the field on third down, forcing the three and outs. Don't let that Sean McVay, Matt Stafford, Puka Nakua Cooper Cup offense get into a rhythm because if we've seen it. We've seen it against Seattle several times that when they get into a rhythm, they are pretty much unstoppable. It's you have to kind of meet him at the door and, and not let him get into a rhythm. And that is crucial on third downs. It felt like the Rams started off like nine for 10 on third downs in that first matchup. You just cannot give up that many conversions. And the number of those were third and long situations. You cannot have that happen. Those are back-breaking conversions to allow. So hopefully having Devin Witherspoon and Jamal Adams back, Leonard Williams in the middle, some of the new pieces that they've added compared to that first matchup, they can be much better on third down. I think that's going to be key for them to win this game. Coming up next, we're going to get our weekly picks to click, our game predictions, and much more. Don't go away. You're listening to the Blue Friday Edition.
of Locked On Seahawks. Today's Blue Friday episode of Locked On Seahawks is brought to you by DoorDash. Why root for your team on an empty stomach? That's a game day travesty that ensures you're not going to be cheering at your very best. Order on DoorDash and save on football watch party favorites. Right now, you can get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order using the DoorDash app and entering the code LOCK23. When I'm kicking back and watching the game with my friends and family, there's nothing better than Jet City Pizza, my favorite gluten-free pizza place in the Seattle region with a two-liter root beer and, of course, cinnamon sticks for the rest of the party. DoorDash makes the process easy so I don't have to leave the comfort of my couch for delicious, great-tasting food before and after kickoff. Since it's so simple, I've ordered Jet City off the DoorDash app so much that the people who manage the restaurant know me by name. If you're ready to satisfy your taste buds on game day, quench those cravings with your favorite local restaurants via DoorDash. Get 50% off up to $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order with the DoorDash app and use the code LOCKED23. Subject to change, terms apply. Welcome back to the Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined for today's show by my co-host, Nick Lee. And a special thanks to all the 12s. Thank you, thank you, thank you for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Don't forget, coming up on Sunday, a couple hours after the final whistle at SoFi Stadium, we'll have our weekly post-game show, game balls and offense, defense, special teams, three up, three down, and the key storylines, hopefully coming out of a Seahawks victory. You won't want to miss it. Let's get to our picks to click for this week, Nick. Now, last week, you and I both actually had pretty good weeks with our selections, and hopefully we can keep that rolling going into week 11, this crucial game on the road, NFC West matchup against the Rams. On the offensive side of the football, Something tells me you are going to go back to the well that has been most successful for you this season with your offensive picks to click. Well, yeah, Corbin, I'm down 74.25 to 61 in our pick in our super arbitrary trivial uh, picks to click scoring system that I made up and now I'm way down on. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go. Yeah, uh, kind of our first point of the offense is Ken Walker. I'm going to go to him to click this game. And, you know, I'm not I'm not going to say he's going to go off for some crazy amount. I'm going to say 90 yards, but I think the, the sneaky one I want to pick is he gets two touchdowns. I think he gets two touchdowns in this game. He's, he's utilizing the red zone, gets to 90 yards rushing, and really establishes kind of what the Seahawks want to do, setting up play action. And really, like, like with, the, with the Rams on offense, once the Seahawks get Ken Walker going and get Geno Smith out with play action, they're pretty darn tough to stop, too, with all the offensive weapons the Seahawks have. So I think that is going to start with Ken Walker. And then once they start tossing it around, you know, things will open up for Ken Walker inside and towards the end zone to get two touchdowns. So, yeah, I'm going to go Ken Walker, hopefully to close the gap here on the pick-to-click race. Picking tight ends has not worked in my favor this year on picks-to-click. In fact, Will Disley and Colby Parkinson, the two tight ends I have picked earlier this year, got zero points, big fat donuts both times. So probably would be best for me to avoid tight ends like the plague. And yet I'm not going to do that in this game. And you mentioned this earlier, where is Noah Fant at? He has got six catches the last five games. They haven't been able to get him involved. I just have a weird feeling that third time is going to be the charm for me, though. Offensive picks to with tight ends because Noah Fant actually scored a touchdown last year at SoFi Stadium, had one of his best games. And this is a Rams defense there in the top 12 in yards allowed to tight ends. They're tied for second in touchdowns allowed to tight ends. They don't have a ton of talent right now at the safety position. Linebacker, they've been banged up. That is not a strength for them either. 
the positions that are going to be defending Noah Fant, this feels like a matchup where he can capitalize. And so not a huge game necessarily, but I think four catches, 48 yards, and that elusive touchdown. Noah Fant has not scored yet this year. I think that ends at SoFi Stadium. He gets a touchdown there for the second consecutive season. So I'm hoping third time's a charm after being shut out the first two times I picked the other two tight ends for the Seahawks. Now, on the defensive side of the football you mentioned Mr. Mape, number 53, earlier, and he has just been on a scintillating tear, a sack and a franchise record seven consecutive games. I think he ties Javon Curse for the most by a player in his first two seasons in this football game. I look at the Rams tackles. They're going to have Rob Havenstein back from a calf injury, but boy, Mafes can get most of his reps against Alaric Jackson, a former Big Ten rival who's given up 24 pressures this year. Only one sack, but it's going to be two after this weekend. I think that boy, Mafe is going to get that eighth sack, and I think he's going to get not one, not two, but three quarterback hits on Matthew Stafford. I've got Mr. Mafe getting the player of the game honors on defense. Man, all aboard the Mafe train. I, I'm loving, loving his. He's been one of my favorite developments this year for the Seahawks. Um, I'm going to go Jamal Adams, and um, you know he'll make a big difference versus the last time these two teams met in Week One. He's starting to play well. I know he had a few missed opportunities in that game against Washington, but still had an 82.8 run defensive grade, 80.3 pass rushing grade, two pressures. I think in this game he builds off that solid outing and gets a sack against Matt Stafford, eight tackles. Tackle for loss, and he's you got to match up well with some of the weapons that the that the Rams can throw out too. And you know he's just a versatile versatile player. And I think against an offense like the Rams, you got to use Jamal Adams to the best of his ability. So I think this is a game where where his best abilities can shine. Let's talk game predictions now. The Seahawks are the favorite, not by much, but they are the favorite going to this game, even though they lost to the Rams in week one. These two teams have been trending in opposite directions ever since that game. The Rams lost three straight. They had their bye week last week. They're hoping that bye getting healthier is going to help them rebound and get another win against the Seahawks. But going into this game, do you think the Seahawks avenge that week one loss or does Pete Carroll still have issues beating Sean McVay? in this game well you know just as the the trajectory of these two teams are going it's really looking like that week one thing was just a weird anomaly week one kind of filling out process for both teams Pukunakua came out of nowhere now we kind of know who he is um and, but really it, it comes down for me to it's really hard to sweep a division opponent it just really is even no matter how good you are or how bad they are it's just really hard to sweep up an opponent and the Seahawks have scored more than 20 points against the Rams just once in their last nine games against the Rams. It's kind of crazy. The winning scores for the Seahawks have been things like 19 to 16, 20 to 9. Um, and this has been a matchup problem at times for the Seahawks, you know, starting with that playoff game at the end of the 2020 season. They're two and four the last six games against the Rams. The Rams are coming off a bye, and the Rams have lost their two last their last two games coming off a bye in the last two years. Make it three. I'm going to go. The Seahawks are going to go and win a tight one, 20 to 17. I think the Seahawks get some momentum. They got some momentum back after that that home emotional win last week, and they got a little bit back to their identity. The Rams aren't going to be sneaking up on them like they did in Week One with some of the weapons and stuff that they've developed over the last couple, uh, you know, month or so. So I'm um, with like Puka Nakua, and you know, Cooper Cup isn't a mystery anymore. I mean, he's really good, but he's not a mystery. So I, I think the Seahawks pull off a tight one. It's uncomfortable. The Rams always make it so, but 
I think the more talented team will prevail. I'm glad that you pointed out the lack of comfort because there is no such thing as being comfortable when Sean McVay and the Rams are on the other sideline, a healthy Matthew Stafford. But I think having Devin Witherspoon in the lineup is going to be a huge difference maker. And Leonard Williams, this is not a good interior offensive line for the Rams. I think that Leonard Williams has a chance to be really disruptive along with Draymond Jones moving up and down the line. I just think the Seahawks are going to come into this game. They're going to be seething a little bit because of what happened in week one. They want to get revenge for that game that was just so uncharacteristic for them, just falling apart in the second half. The Rams are going to punch them back because that's what they do. I expect this is going to be a lower-scoring affair. As you mentioned, the Seahawks have not scored a lot of points in this matchup. And for whatever reason, the games at SoFi have been even lower-scoring. I think that trend continues. But I have the Seahawks winning 24-20. to behind a solid turnover-free experience from Geno Smith. I think he's going to get rolling in that aspect. They're going to have enough run game to help him out. And I think the defense is going to find a way to get enough pressure on Matthew Stafford to limit the Rams a couple of times they get in the red zone. This red zone defense for the Seahawks has been atrocious all year. I think this is a game they start to pick things up a little bit there. So it's going to be close. It's going to be back and forth. The Rams always strike fear in you in these divisional matchups against the Seahawks. But I think Seattle gets the upper hand in this game and improves to 7-3. and We'll find out what happens when these two teams clash at SoFi on Sunday. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at CorbettSmithNFL. You can follow Nick at NickLee51. Make sure to subscribe and follow Locked on Seahawks on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. Coming up Sunday, a couple hours after the final kickoff at SoFi Stadium, I'll be hosting my weekly post-game show, offense, defense, special teams, game balls, three up, three down, key storylines, and much more. Make sure you are listening in. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the rest of your Friday. Go Hawks. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly. An AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.